a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Steltonpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, um, real quick before we say hello, I just you didn't really answer me on Twitter today, and it oh was kind gosh. of bothersome. Oh my which gosh. which is cooler, the college football alliance for the, the Big Twelve, the or uh, the Big Ten, Pac twelve, and ACC. The ECW WCW alliance against WWF and Vincent Kennedy McMahon, or Jim and Dwight's alliance from The Office. Oh, I did answer this. I don't recall you answering it. I just remember you liking the post. Oh, I didn't say either. I said the Green Ranger joining the original Power Rangers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. I don't mind that at all. (laughs) I don't mind that at all. Okay. Well, um, Good uh, good evening. Here we are. The uh, I think that'll be a, about the extent of our alliance conversation for tonight. We got Pac-12 uh, preview for tonight. But first and foremost, Roberto, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, man. Um, last week I was a really tired. Uh, I think our next record, recording we are recording twice this week, so I'll probably be tired on the second recording. But tonight I'm feeling really good, man. I had a really fun night with my son tonight. It was just it was just a guy's night as uh, Lisa had to work late. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about diving into the Pac-12 tonight. So let's start with the Pac-12 South. Mm-hmm. I think we thought that this was going to be a lot more competitive, and I guess it still can be. You could still have Utah, UCLA, and USC. And realistically, Rob, I guess you could still have Arizona State. They could block out all the noise and all the bad energy. But they've got some coaches that have had to be suspended or, or are not with them, and they've got graduate assistants that are that are coaching those positions. And I don't know what to think about Arizona State. So I'm sort of just putting, like you mentioned before we started recording, I'm almost putting the biggest E for Enigma on them with all the stuff that they're dealing with off the field. But you could still have a pretty tight race if UCLA, it sort of it, if they live up to and maybe even – surpass their expectations you could have a nice little fun run here in the in the pac-12 south well yeah i mean the pac-12 south it really comes down at least for me it comes down to three definite teams okay usc is is in my opinion is definitely a challenger for the pac-12 south yes okay um uh, uh utah is definitely a challenger for for that um especially today since they announced um it was either today or yesterday who their quarterback was going to be. And, of course, off the top of my head, I don't remember. Um, so going to be Char- Charlie Brewer, right? Yes, Charlie Brewer is going to be their, going to be their quarterback. U- Utah will be competitive in that as well. And then the third team is Arizona State. and But Arizona State has an asterisk by it because we have no idea who, who their coach will be by the time October comes around. Um, and I would also say that UCLA is the dark horse because – Going into his fourth year with Chip Kelly, I think DCR, Dorian Thomas Robinson, is a great talent. And if you pay attention behind the scenes, like the culture seems to be coming together for Chip Kelly. He seems to be having the players he's wanting. wanting. Last season, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about them in a minute, but it, it seems like things were coming together at the end of last season. And and so the, like they're kind of a dark horse. But the Patchwell South, like – 
if I had to put money, USC and Utah are definitely two competitors. The rest kind of have asterisks or, you know, butts by them, you know. You know, they, they need a condition to, to, to occur for us to, you know, buy into them being competitive. All right, so where's the edge at? Because you almost feel like USC has, maybe it's not an asterisk, but we certainly feel uh, that Clay Helton is up in the air. And he's yeah. competitive, he does well, but he certainly is not up to the USC standard, at least not to this point. No, and I mean, and honestly, <clears throat> I'm, you know, I'm not the only one that said this, so I don't feel bad for saying this. But I don't think he I don't think he's the coach after this season um, outside of him going to the playoff. I, I really just don't. Um, he he is returning a great quarterback in Keevan Slovis. He is returning an incredible uh, wide receiver in Drake London. Good gosh, man, he should be playing. Like, I think he did, did play basketball or he should be playing. Or like, yes, he's a former basketball player. And then obviously they're they're all American possible linebacker in Drake Jackson. I, I'm just when I look at this team, when I look at USC. It is to me. It is not about their talent. It comes down to two things. It comes down to their schedule, and it comes down to their coach. And and I, I just I just struggle with Clay Helton, man. I just do. I don't think he sucks. I don't think he's a you know. I don't think he's a horrible coach. I just don't think he's the coach for USC. You know, when you think of USC, obviously a pillar, a blue blood, a whatever whatever it is you want to call it, one of the historic programs in all of college football, and to just kind of be S and P Plus has them at eight point nine wins for the season they're historically you know they're challenging for 10 wins a season and they're challenging right there for the pac 12 and they'll be in that position this year to challenge for the pac 12 and uh, they might can uh, they might can get there and, and be a part of that conversation but i think i agree with you um the schedule is going to be a big part of this the relative toss-ups ucla utah notre dame arizona state uh, according to s&p plus are the ones that are up in the air however there are no likely losses according to um the uh, SNP plus so ucla utah obviously the other two contenders in this conference along with arizona state and then the game against uh, notre dame on the road they do get ucla utah and arizona state or excuse me utah and ucla at home they'll have to go to arizona state and to notre dame that seems to be the the thick part of their schedule yeah i mean <clears throat> Them getting, like you were just saying, like them getting some of these tougher North opponents at home is a really big deal. Getting UCLA at home is a big deal, you know. But then you're on the road at Notre Dame and at Arizona State, and and also you're on the road at Cal, and mm -hmm. you know Cal has been just a tough out for them the last couple of years, and you know it's one of the reasons why you know Clay Helton gets criticized in some regard. But that uh, October stretch is really tough. Yeah. At at Notre Dame, Arizona, yeah. and don't then forget at Arizona Colorado State. either. Like, right. Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to cut just, you off. I'm Go just ahead. mean the that yeah. I'm sorry. That latter half of October into November was what I was looking at. I'm sorry. Uh, at Notre Dame, Arizona, at Arizona State, Cal, and then UCLA, and then BYU to set off the year as well. I think they're they've got a pretty good win expectancy against BYU. But by that point in the season, by the end of the year, you know the uh, the Cougars could be you know back in some sort of form that is similar to who they are. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe, maybe so. I, I have a hard time. It's not, with it's not a guarantee. It's yeah, just yeah. It could be. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like I just, I just think this conference overall, and you know, you'll hear me say this numerous times, is going to be more competitive than people give it credit for. I think that this could be one of those years where a team who comes out of the Pac-12, like if they're if they are undefeated, 
I, I they deserve to be in the playoff. Like I, I just I believe that, especially if it's USC with you know USC and Oregon specifically are the two teams that I just feel like if they go undefeated with their schedules, they will deserve undoubtedly to be in the playoff. I mean, because if you go, if you beat Stanford, if you go at, you know, you go at Wazoo, you know, you win that game, you win at Colorado, you beat Utah, and Utah is going to be a tough out, as we know. The Notre Dame game is huge, like you were saying. The at Notre Dame game is huge. We don't, I have to kind of shrug my shoulders at Arizona because I, I just don't know what they are this year with a new coach. But the at Arizona State game could, like, that could be a trap, not even a trap game. That could be like a – I could honestly see like ABC or Fox putting that on prime time mm-hmm. if if both teams are where we think they could be. All right, so who's who's leading the way for USC if they're making this run? Obviously, Keaton Slovis is, is going to be a big deal. You already mentioned uh, the wide receiver, uh, Drake Jackson, as well. Corey Foreman seems like he's a young defensive end that's going to be put in a position to perhaps shine for uh, this USC team. Do, do they have the defense, you think, to step up? Only 370 for uh, total yards last year. 26 points a game is not the worst number in the world. It's not a great number either, but it's not the worst number in the world. Can they improve on their defense this year and uh, set themselves up? Todd Orlando is the new uh, defensive coordinator there he comes over after kind of a shaky time there with texas yeah i mean i think that's a really good question and i you only played six games last year and you were 40th in the country in total defense you know mm-hmm. um and you lose to an oregon team that you probably shouldn't have lost to um but also at the same time like you, you just i i the Pac-12 teams, and this is, goes back to what we talked about with the Big Ten a little bit last year, is that um, not having an offseason last year, all the COVID stuff, the stop-go, stop-go kind of mentality of not really knowing if they're going to play or not, I think did play a part. We saw that across the board last year when it came to, on the de- came to defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think they can. I think they have the talent to. It's just, you know, like you – like I guess the big question, can they all put it together? You know, and I, I – I, Talent-wise, yes, but I just don't know if they will. So with Utah and Charlie Brewer sort of jumping around here, but I think that we know what the mix is in the uh, Pac-12 South. Charlie Brewer and that group are going to be the next uh, big pieces to the puzzle. 30 points per game. I think Utah, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa, Iowa State, those are kind of those teams that all seem to fit into this mold of strong defense, mistake-free, run the football, they're good on offense, but they don't blow you away on offense. Could Charlie Brewer add a little bit of explosion for Utah, do you think? Is that there for them? Do they have the other pieces in place to maybe be a little more explosive and and get – they averaged 30 points a game last year. Could they jump that up to 34? Could they jump that up to 35? Is that possible with Charlie Brewer, you think? Um. Looking at the type of offense that he came from, you know, kind of slinging it around, I would say yes. You know, it should get better. It should be better. You know, but to me, it's not really about the quarterback. It's about the wide receivers. You know, it's a it's about can can this can this team can their the offensive coordinator put together a scheme that allows things to open up. 
that to me is, is is the bigger question. Yeah, and when you look at their history, starting with last year, 30, 32, 28, 29 and a half, 29.8, 30.6, and 31. Those are the numbers that they've averaged through the air or um, in terms of scoring from 20 all the way back to 2014. So, I mean, they're going to be, you know, control the football, ground and pound. They're going to be very much Iowa, Iowa State and, and Wisconsin and who those teams have been. They're going to be very similar to that, and they're going to be kind of who they are. So with that in mind, they have to kind of be very efficient. They almost have to be perfect, if you will, because they're going to grind it out. They're going to play slow, and that means mistake-free, high-efficiency high football. Is that going to work in this Pac-12 South knowing that USC is going to throw the ball all over the yard. And then most likely Arizona State's going to approach the the game plan the same way. It's going to sound it's going to sound super negative because I, I do like Utah, but I don't think you're, they're not in a conference, in my opinion, where sound football is going to win this year. I'm talking about this year. It, it was fine last year, has been year, fine the years prior. But I just think there are teams that have like this possible extra gear of athleticism and openness in the field and a type of offense that can can just spread you out. I, I think Utah needs to have big playability. They they have to. It can't just be sound football. You've got to take shots. You've got to you gotta gamble sometimes. And and with Charlie know, Brewer, maybe they'll take some of those gambles knowing that he comes yes. from 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 Baylor. The the offensive coordinator, I think like you mentioned earlier is going to have to dial some of that up at different times, maybe more times than they have before in the past, and see if he can't uh, put that kind of work together for them. Yeah, no, I agree. It, 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 yeah. All right, so we know the defense for them will be really good. 26 points a game last year was not indicative of them, but I think with the full offseason, you should probably see Utah return back to form, nine returning starters. That includes uh, a lot of their top tacklers from last year, a lot of their top production from last year, so they should be good and solid on that side of the football again this upcoming year. So do you have anything on Arizona State, or do you want to move to UCLA? Because, again, it's really difficult to put a finger on the Sun Devils knowing you know that things are so discombobulated in the front office. Jalen Daniels is really good. Is he good enough yes. to push all that off the table and and take this team somewhere? Yeah, I, and, but the thing that works for them is their schedule. The, like they're specifically their out of conference schedule: Southern Utah, UNLV, BYU. That's is BYU not just is BYU just playing a, a Pac-12 schedule this year? Yeah, it really does seem like it. Uh, like I'm looking through their schedule, they are easily to me. That like it, it put all this like if you would have told me about giving me the schedule, told me they're going to be healthy back in February, you told me all these things. I would have said, well, looking at their schedule, man, holy crap! Like they could, I could easily see them going ten and two, eleven and one, possibly. But now because of the coaching thing, like I just, I just don't know what this team's going to be. Yeah, and the the and toughest stretches that hurts them for me greatly. Yeah. The toughest stretches seem to be October 2nd to the 16th of October, and then November 13th, uh, I'm sorry, November 6th and the 13th. That back-to-back weekend, USC, and then at Washington, and then October 2nd, UCLA, Stanford on the 8th, and then Utah on the 16th. Those seem to be the two sort of, okay, put put your work caps on. This is our, our, our super tough stretch where we really have to be 
you know, on top of our game and especially avoid injuries and such. Arizona State gets the, you know, they have to play at, they have to play at Utah and they have to play at Washington, like you saying. Like those are the, those are the toughest, I, I guess in theory would be the toughest games. You know, they, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Washington here in a minute because I really do want to hear your thoughts because like they, they are probably a team that baffles me more than any other team in the country. Um, but when I look at Arizona State, to win games, to win big games, to win a conference, you in this day and age, you have to have an elite level quarterback. And I believe Jaden Daniels is a elite level quarterback. I think they have wide receivers to throw to, even if they don't have a ton of like experience. The way that they have recruited, <laughs> as whether it was legal or not, <laughs> the way that they have the way they have recruited, they have gotten really great talent. And defensively, they were 91st in the country last year. They only played four games. And so back to what we've said about every team in the Pac-12, like it's kind of hard to gauge them on what they really are or aren't. But the thing that kind of surprised me was in just four games last year, they were seventh in the country in rushing offense. And and so and they returned most of their O-line. They were, of course returned Jane Daniels and they returned Rashad White. And so whenever I'm looking at this team, I I don't see a team that I'm necessarily worried about. It's the off the field stuff that that really just baffles me. And and I know we've already hit that, but that's what I keep coming back to is how how will this team respond to their current off the field situation? And, and I agree, and I think that moves us to uh, to UCLA. How uh, SMP Plus has them at I think seven point four wins for the season. Uh, projection. So, how how do they fit into this? Are they a are they sort of um, a wedding crasher here? Are they a, a party buster or a party pooper here? I guess you would say for the Pac-12 South, or are they real contenders? I guess the uh, the S and P Plus would consider them sort of uh, party poopers. I mean, I, I definitely think they could rain on someone's parade. That's a better way to say that. Like, if you look at their schedule, like. I I am not the only person who has said this. So, but I but I but this is my own take. I believe they can win that LSU game. I really do believe that. Mm. I believe with nine returning starters on offense, an offense that began to build momentum and look actually really good towards the the you know those last three or four games of the seat or those last three games of the season specifically, or four games I'd say, and then returning ten players on defense. Chip Kelly finally getting a full offseason with talent that he has brought in, that he has wanted. You have a quarterback who I already said, like kind of a stipulation to be successful in a conference. You have to have a good quarterback. And DTR is a good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. And then in the positive, and one of the other reasons why I, I kind of give them a chance against LSU is that they play a game before LSU does. They play against Hawaii this weekend on, on, you know, on, on August 24th. They play them in three, you know, in four days, and and then they get LSU at home. I, so, I just think it's that the defensive side of the ball for UCLA is is going to be the big determining factor. They they need to have a good, a really good day against Hawaii. Um, yes. To sort of gain the momentum, and obviously Hawaii is going to be a completely different animal than what they're going to get with, uh, with LSU. But if LSU's coming around on offense, if they're able to protect their quarterback. I mean, it could get ugly with – I say ugly. They could be very, very difficult to beat uh, there in – even at home for UCLA. But if they could get past the Tigers, the Tigers, UCLA, 
if they could get past the Tigers, then yeah, I mean, I think that they've got a they I, they almost reset their season with that win. Yeah, I mean, and Chip Kelly has kind of been lackadaisical when it comes to you know comes to out of conference games. He's it's kind of felt like he's been lackadaisical about any game he's you know coached under under them. And, and this is kind of a I, I really do think this is kind of like a make or break do or die year for for Chip Kelly, but. I don't think that talent will be an issue. I don't think that returning talent will be the issue. I think it will come down to, you know, can they put it together and can Chip Kelly be that coach again that we all enjoyed? You know, someone at lunch the other day at our lunch table, um, I think it was my friend Matt Manry, if you listen to this, hey, buddy, uh, he said, man, I wish Chip Kelly never left Oregon. And, like, I I agree with that, (laughs) you know? Like, I kind of never wish he would have left Oregon. But – here he is, and he has he has the the pieces in place to be successful. He has a schedule that I like. Yes, it's tough. Yes, it is a hard schedule, but this is a prove it schedule to me. Because if he can just get, like, if he goes six and six, or if he goes seven and five, first of all, he's not going anywhere. Second of all, he may get an extension because the schedule is tough. Would you agree with that? The schedule, yes. You've got to go on the road. Utah on the road, UCLA, you get LSU at home. Yes, I would consider that uh, a tough schedule. You've got to go to Stanford and then Arizona State in back-to-back weeks. I don't expect Stanford to be an easy out. I don't think they'll they'll be back to their, you know, 2015 form or anything like that, but they uh, I don't think they'll be easy. You also have Oregon on this schedule at Washington, Oregon at Utah. So yeah, I mean, UCLA has a tough stretch. Um and yeah, I mean, if he's able to get seven, eight wins, then sure, I think he could reset the, um, you know, get the extension and, that you're talking about. And and if and if they do go seven and five, in with the schedule, it's because DTR stays healthy, and he balls out like he like like many people have expected him to for a, for a long time. Yeah, and I think they'll need some other pieces around him to step up, but uh, but they do get the Michigan transfer mm-hmm. and Zach uh, Charbonnet. He could sort of pick up. They do get a Duke transfer as well in Brenton Brown. That might be the the combination in the backfield that they like to go with. Uh, those two guys have been very good at their last two stops. So um, UCLA might have their their three headed monster in the backfield like they've had before, or like Chip Kelly has had before uh, in the past. All right. So the Pac-12 South, in terms of a winner, we'll clean up with Colorado and Arizona in a second. But who do you have winning the conference? I'm kind of. I, I feel like I want to lean Kyle Winningham. I've been watching a lot of westerns lately. I feel. <laughs> I feel like I'm in like a. What's a, your favorite a, western? Oh, I don't know. I really like Justified TV show that's been on. I don't mm-hmm. know if I've seen enough of like the classics to say I have a favorite, but like in terms of modern stuff, No Country for Old Men, Sicario. I like Logan as a Western. I know that's a comic book movie, but I like Logan no, as a Western. hundred percent as a Western. Yeah. Yep. And then I feel like I'm leaving somebody out. Oh, hell or high water with Pratt. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good one. And then I feel like there's something else I'm, I'm leaving out too, but there are some classics I haven't seen yet. And even some ones that have been made today, uh, you know, closer to today that I haven't seen yet. But, um, those are the few that I like that I've, uh, you know, been into lately. Okay. Uh, you have school, to answer the question. Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, old school is Outlaw Josie Wells. Um, my, that's, Clint, up, that's Clint Eastwood, right? 
Yeah, I, okay. I, I think I've watched every one of his movies, every one of John Wayne's movies. Um, like, like I've, my dad and his dad used to watch westerns all the time. Like, my dad even had like a complete like John Wayne VHS set. <laughs> like, oh wow, yeah. So like, I've watched all those movies, but like, old school is Outlaw Josie Wells. A newer school would probably be Three Ten to Yuma. Mm. Um, yeah, that's one I've seen a little bit of, and I need to get back yeah. to need to watch the rest of that one. Um, but but yeah, sorry, we just completely we derailed. did. The point um, of me bringing up the western was yeah. sort of the old school, uh, like we mentioned with Iowa and Wisconsin already, and that kind of just I don't know the old school mentality of football is why I brought up the western, and so I'm kind of feel like I'm leaning Utah a little bit uh, there with uh, with the Pac-12 South. And I think maybe Charlie Brewer can can open it up just enough, maybe get them over the hump when it comes to scoring, and he can be a guy when they need him to. They might not do it all the time just to do it for the heck of it like Oklahoma's going to do or Georgia wants to do, but when they need it, they can go to Charlie Brewer and he can throw the ball. They can do a two-minute drill, and he can come through with it when they have to play USC or Arizona State or UCLA. Yeah. Give me Utah. I'm, I'm sticking to it. Give me Utah in the South. I really want to pick Arizona State. Mm. But I, like I do. I feel like sticking with the West, I feel like there's too much dynamite there. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Bad I dynamite, I mean. Yeah, it is. And, and and also, I just don't know who their coach is going to be. Like, if you gave me – if you told me right now, you went in the you, future, came back, and said, Robbie, you know, their coach will be there all season long. So you I think Herm Edwards could be fired by in the next couple of weeks? Dude, I mean, well, they've just been working in like, they've been working in tiers. Like, they keep getting rid of, like, they keep putting people on leave, and they keep going up the ladder. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just don't know what's, you know, I just don't know what happened. You know, they've got apparently they have tape, and they have the dossier, as we use the word we use. <laughs> we have dossier proving that Edwards knew everything. The smoking gun. I can. <laughs> we- <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> the smoking gun. Yes. So, so like, I, so, but so I can't, I can't pick them in, in confidence. I. I'm gonna pick USC. You picking um, Clay Helton? Yeah, like I, you think he's losing his job at the end of the year, don't you? I do. Well, I thought you I, were. I think he has to make the playoff to get. I think he has to make the playoff to keep his job. Okay. But like between Arizona State's issues, UCLA, like I want to believe, I really do, and I want to pick them as the dark horse to win it. But like, son of a biscuit, man! Like I, I just I, I need to go with the thing that I know, and I know. That Keevan Slovis and this USC roster is stacked, and they've got dudes on dudes on the outside at wide receiver, and I like I know these things. Yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go probably with the safer pick if you. No, screw this. No, I've never been. No, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's just yeah, I'm just gonna stick with USC. But I'm okay. I'm gonna say this like if you USC is gonna be my pick, but UCLA would probably be my second pick. Okay. So you got UCL or a USC. I've got uh, Utah. Anything to add for Colorado and Arizona? I know that those are kind of going to be the teams sort of working through things there. Colorado was surprisingly good last year. They could be a, um, you know, a, a, a bracket buster, if you will, there potentially. But I think they're still working through their quarterback situation. I just read today that JT Shrout injured his knee, should be out for the rest of the season. Oh, so Brandon Lewis um, and I think Will Plummer – is the other uh, quarterback there. They're going to have to choose between those guys. Or Drew Carter, I think, is the other um, uh, is the other quarterback. Either way, not really sure what they have at that position. That You like their running back, but 
I don't know if Colorado is going to be able to sort of build on their four and two unless they get something special out of the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I don't really have a lot to add to what you just said. I mean, because Arizona is the enigma, you know, with with the new coach, kind of the same thing with Colorado, not really knowing what they are. I know they got a bunch of transfers coming in at Colorado. So I, I really just don't have a lot to add. It, it really, to me, it comes down to the four teams that we've already, that we spent a lot of time talking about. Uh, Gunner Cruz is the quarterback at Arizona. He seems to be winning the job, but he's winning the job because he was mistake-free. Out of all the media sessions or out of all the practice sessions that the media got to see, he didn't throw any interceptions. And so they feel like he's probably going to be the guy, but not necessarily because he's running away with it, just because he's not, you know, he didn't make a bunch of mistakes. So, again, like you said, you know, Arizona might just be in a position where, you know, they're they're cleaning things up. Jed Fish is just trying to straighten up the house right now after the mess that he has inherited from uh, from uh, the previous staff. Yeah. All right, so Pac-12 North, we've got uh, – this is with Washington State and the crew there. Where do you like uh, – who do you like? Obviously, I think we both like Oregon a lot. There's almost no yeah. real discussion there at the tip top. But Washington is – I say there's no discussion. There's plenty. Washington is a, is a dark horse for a lot of people. A lot of people expect Jimmy Lake and Washington to be right back in the thick of things. I think Phil still – has Washington as his number one surprise team for the upcoming season. Do they have what it takes to knock off Oregon, who seems to be the favorite for everybody else? Well, for me, it, it comes down to, can, like, can they beat Michigan? Can they can they beat a Michigan team that, for the most part, I think you and I would say Oregon is better than them, Stanford is better than them, Michigan that is. Could could they lose to Michigan but still beat Oregon on November sixth? <laughs> Who's the quarterback for Oregon? <laughs> uh, I like Anthony Brown. I, no, I do too. You, you know, like you know that I've liked him ever since you know he was Boston playing college against, days. Yeah, his Boston college days with AJ Dillon. I, I think Oregon top to bottom has the most talent and the most speed and the and the dudes like the freaks, right? I think Oregon has the dudes. I think Washington. I don't know what to believe. What Washington is, I don't. I don't really know. You played four games last year. You lost to Stanford, a Stanford team that was kind of we didn't really know what they were either last year. You played solid defense, and I expect that because your defense coordinator is now your coach, and you're returning quite a bit on both sides of the ball. But and you know, and your quarterback, <clears throat> excuse me, your quarterback in Dylan Morris is expected to possibly be a you know, second team Pac-12 quarterback. I Is it bad that I just don't know what they are? And I just don't know what's real. I kind of just don't have a take because I don't, nothing stands out to me about them. Yeah. And I think I agree with you. Nothing sort of stands out. There's not a flash. There's not some big, you know, who was it? Jake Browning a couple of years ago had a bunch of flash. There seemed to be something to, to attach yourself to at Washington. And as of right now, there doesn't seem to be anything like that from, especially when you sit them next to, uh, to Oregon. You know, Oregon's the Corvette. They're the they're the Ferrari, or the, you know, they're the supercar right now. They're the race car ready to go. And Washington is kind of sitting there looking like, you know, the the the, you know, I don't know, you know, some sort of, 
you know, Toyota or something. You know, it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot there. But then again, you know, the turtle did beat the hare in in, in the race. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? I, who knows what's going to happen? I, I just don't like I'm just not betting on it, Washington. Like, I'm, I'm fine I'm just, with that. I'm just kind of going with the safe, the the safer pick of what I know, just like we were talking about with the, you know, Pac-12 South or um. I know that Oregon has dudes. My question is, can can Anthony Brown lead them to the promised land? And I, I think the answer is yes, he can because you know they their starting quarterback from last year transferred out because he lost the job. And you know, to, I'm sorry to transition to Oregon, but like when I look at Oregon, I, I I get all tingly inside looking at their defensive roster. I don't know if you get the tinglys, but I do. Because the tinglys, the tinglys. Okay. Because dear, dear gracious, Noah Sewell, um, I, like these are all names that I can't even pronounce. Okay. You never can. Kate Kayvon Thibodeau, Noah Sewell. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. Let's try to do this. This is gonna be great podcasting. Isaac Slade Montatia, Masifuna, Michael Wright, Jamal Hill, Verone McKinley the third. Boom, got it. Those are their, those are returning starters. Okay, on 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 defense. Michael Wright, that was that was a real tough one. I was surprised you got that one. Yeah, it's M Y K E L K A E L. Some yeah. people would be some people would get caught off guard by that. You're right about um, that. You, your your English skills or your literature skills came in handy. Thank you. But here's the thing about Oregon that excites me the most. Yes, Anthony Brown is like I I, I want to believe in Anthony Brown. I've liked him ever again, like ever since he was at Boston College. I don't know if you've heard the story that was on the Yahoo College Inquirer podcast. Um, I might have missed were, it. Okay, well, they were talking about um, oh, why do, how do I always forget it? Pete Thamel. Pete Thamel was talking about how he was at a game um, last year where Urban Meyer was calling the Oregon game. Yes, Oregon practice. He was at yes. an Oregon practice, and he went and saw them, and he and he just watched them. He just watched the quarterbacks for like an hour, and then he went and told Pete Thamel, "Why isn't this kid getting buzzed for Heisman candidacy?" And like Urban Meyer doesn't just say things like, and he didn't need to say that because he, right. he, he was, he wasn't a coach at the time he was calling games, but he was so impressed with his throws. So I guess what I'm, all I'm saying is like Anthony Brown, obviously, whether it be at practice or moments in games, he has, he has the capability to be effective, to be a quality, to, to be a quality player as a quarterback in, the, in, in college football. And when you look at their wide receivers, which is what was struggling so much for Justin Herbert his last year at Oregon because of so many drops they had. Fast forward to now where you've got Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, and Micah Pittman. These these guys are dudes. And Oregon not only has probably one of the one of the deadliest defenses in the league in, in co- all of college football. I, I don't even think there's a, there's a question. But fast forward to now, I think they have an elite offense as well. Yeah, their ground game will be very much uh, right in your face, right down your throat. Uh, C.J. Verdell and um, is it Travis Die? Die's the last name. Uh, who wears no gloves? He's out there Travis handing. Yeah, yeah, it Travis Die. <laughs> He's out there free handing it, old school like mm-hmm. Ronnie Brown did with mm-hmm. the with the Tigers um, there at Auburn. So yeah, that's going to be an old school kind of ground game. So they might not be asking Anthony Brown to do a ton all the time, and then when they do ask him. You know, maybe they sort of spring it on people, and it's maybe not necessarily a surprise, but kind of something everybody wasn't expecting. And so, 
yeah, I, I think we're both sort of on track here that we're taking the safe bet with Oregon to meet uh, to meet whoever out of the pack. 12 south in the in the championship is that right and, and we're pretty we're pretty clear that it's going to come down to oregon and washington most likely here in the north right we don't feel anything for a um california or stanford even though california might be a tough out i don't know if they're playing at the tip top here in the north yeah like uh, yes i i agree with that like i think i think oregon We'll probably lose to Ohio State, even though I just don't chalk anything up on that. Like, we've already covered the Big Ten, you know, at, at nauseum, but I do think Ohio State has a tough, like, has two tough games in Minnesota and at, you know, and against Oregon in back to back weeks. I'm just, just throwing it out there. But then you look at the rest of Oregon's schedule. I, I don't, I don't see who, who should beat them. That's getting my statement. I don't see who should beat them. I'm not saying they don't lose, I'm not saying they can't lose. I just don't see who should beat them. Yeah, and 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 from my perspective, picking Utah to win the South, there is going to be an Oregon-Utah game in Utah um, there at the end of the year on November 20th. So we could get a rematch if, if I'm correct. Yeah. yeah all right, no, so... Completely agree. All right, so anything for California, Stanford, Washington State, and Oregon State? Um... Oregon State has a Oregon State has a much better offense than we probably give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, they they run the ball really well. Um, last year, yes, they went two and five. But if you look at the, if you look at their the scores of their of their games, they were putting they were putting over twenty one points in every game, and that might not seem like much, but I'm looking at. 28, 21, 31, 41, 24, 24, 33. They did not get shut out one time. Not one time did they get shut out last year. And and I think that's a big deal. Now coming into this year with Oregon State, like they they lose their quarterback. Um, but they return everybody else. Well, no, Tristan Gibbia is still there, and he's expected to be healthy this go around. He was hurt last year, wasn't he? He was the guy that was hurt. Chance Nolan came That's, in and okay. did okay. and did yeah. well, but some of the recent reading that I've done, Chance Nolan is at the bottom of the depth chart. That it's Tristan Gibbia and the Colorado transfer Neuer, I think is his last name. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Sorry. Sam Neuer and Tristan Gibbia seem to be the two guys there at the top. And I think Neuer played well for Colorado last year, helping them win their four games. So it's between those two guys. They step in. Um, there is a South Carolina transfer running back at uh, transfer at running back, and his name is Fenwick. He go back to the Florida game, and there might be some other highlights, but go back to the Florida game between South Carolina and the Gators and watch Fenwick. There's a couple of times where Fenwick has some really nice looking runs uh, to compliment uh, Kevin Harris in that game. So if if they can get it right, um, Deshaun Fenwick could be a, a really nice element to their running game. And, and like you said, they were good on the ground last year. So that might be something fun to watch for if you're an Oregon State uh, Beaver fan. I, I just also want to say this just really quickly and we can move on. Jameer Jefferson, I, last year, my one question for the, for Oregon State was, would Jameer Jefferson be like, I think it, the wordage was like, would he win Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year? Um because he was coming off such a great year the year prior. This kid 
in seven games last year had 858 yards rushing and seven touchdowns, averaged 6.5 yards per carry. Incredible. And, and, and yeah, I just I wish he could have gotten a full season. Yeah, I almost, for sure. Because I almost guarantee he probably would have, like he would have. Um, the, yeah, was, almost with those numbers, you give him one more game, he might have got to a you know a thousand yards. Absolutely. If it was the right game, of course. But Spencer, I got to I got I, I to take us to a team that's controversial in our on our podcast that you and I have had words about off the air and on the air. You Battle. have. You have been so disrespectful to me about this team, and all I've done is just try to speak facts and truths to you. I feel like what you've done is you've not only been disrespectful to me, you've been disrespectful to the good name that is David Shaw, and I just – I can't stand for that. David Shaw and uh, Pat Fitzgerald, I just – I don't – I don't – I think you're treading on some very dangerous grounds there, sir. Well – But continue if if you want to. Let's let's look at David Shaw and the Stanford Cardinals – Coming off, you know, he, David Shaw is a is a very respectful and commendable ninety and thirty six in his ten years at the coaches at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Last year, kind of got whooped by Oregon. Lost a weird game to Colorado. I don't know if you remember that game. It was super weird. And won, but and then won the rest of their games. Won in overtime against UCLA, which was another weird, just a weird game last year. But. When I look at the Stanford team, I, I still stand by the same problem that I've had with the Stanford team for probably about four years now of when when will they when will they take it a step forward offensively? You know, and when will they play the type of the type of football they need to play to be competitive again at a high level? I'm talking like possibly winning the conference and also possibly like competing for, you know, a playoff spot, because I, I, I don't think it's ridiculous to say Stanford could be competitive once every once out of every four or five years competing for a playoff spot. I don't think that's ridiculous. So, sort of like how like a TCU, you would think of a TCU sort of deal. I, I guess so, you know, but it same like if you would have told me five years ago that Patterson will not be in the playoff hunt again, after that, you know, after that team that he had with um, the quarterback that, that I love so much, um, Boykin. Boykin, Boykin, yeah, Boykin. If you had told me that he would not compete again for a playoff spot, like I would have said, you shut your dang mouth. <laughs> like, and and I've kind of just, and and that's why I have bitterness over the last three or four years towards Stanford because I just don't understand why you are not competing. You had KJ Costello, who who is who was a good quarterback at the time. You had dudes on the outsides for him, and of course you got tight ends upon tight ends upon tight ends. But whenever you look at this team, they're losing David Mills from last year. And you're you're bringing in Jack expected starter Jack West and Tanner McKee. I, I just like I just want to know has David Shaw? No, he's not going to get fired. I'm not saying anything like that. But has he run his course? Has he gotten as high as he can get them? And this year, I think this year is fair to. It, I don't. I'm I'm sorry. I don't know if this year is the fair year to ask that question because they've kind of got a really tough schedule. <laughs> like it's it's really hard. Like they're gonna play it. I mean, go ahead, Spencer. I'm talking too much. But like, what do you think so far? What I've said is anything been too disrespectful? Nothing's been unfair. No. When setting the silliness aside, nothing has been unfair. They've certainly taken a step back. You're looking at 16 points a game, 22, 20, 22, 29, up to or 22. I'm sorry, up to 2018. 
And then in 19 and 20, 30 points and 32 points a game allowed these last two seasons. So, yes, they're not the Stanford of old. They're not the early David Shaw and late Jim Harbaugh days of Stanford. Can they get back to that? Will Time will tell, and I think they're on their way. I think David Shaw is a solid coach, and maybe the recruiting grounds or recruiting struggles, maybe Oregon has been pulling some things away from them. Of course, when you saw Stanford start to make their run, that was when Chip, uh, not Chip, but uh, Pete, Pete Carroll was on his way out at U- USC, and Chip Kelly was there at Oregon, but maybe Chip Kelly wasn't recruiting the same kind of way. So maybe Stanford is seeing the the guys leaving to Oregon because Mario Cristobal is sort of pulling off a different level of recruiting out there, and maybe that's caused the stumbling block for David Shaw. Maybe he retools that and he gets back on track. I think some people feel like there will be a back-on-track process for David Shaw. But I think you and me can both agree you don't become a bad coach overnight. And yeah. and and I know you haven't said that. So I feel like he's going to get it figured out in the newer environment that he's been placed in. And some of that might be he tried a new environment and he's got to get back to the old environment. They had some injuries, I think, up front, or maybe it was – I don't remember where the injuries were, but they tried to go to the spread, open it up, and throw the football all over – and that didn't necessarily work out quite like they wanted it to. They may start going back to the original, hey, this is who we want to be. Remember how we've talked about can Wisconsin, can Utah, can Iowa State open it up? Do they have the horses to do that? Maybe yeah. maybe Stanford tried to go beyond who they are capable of being, and they realized, okay, we don't have the horses to do that, whether that's offensive line or it's the complete wide receivers or the whatever. They tried it. It didn't work. Maybe they'll get back to who they're supposed to be, um, who they're supposed to be uh, overall. I have confidence that they'll do that, but we'll see. Like you said, it is a tough schedule. Kansas State at USC, at Vanderbilt, UCLA, Oregon, at Arizona State. That's from September fourth all the way to October eighth. And and the thing is, is they don't play a single scrub. Like you can say whatever you want about Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt is going to be more quality opponent than playing freaking Marshall or Kent State, you know, like, yes, and, and so, like, I'm, I'm looking at the top 10 hardest schedules in college football, and I'm just really surprised that Stanford didn't even make the top 10, because uh, now, they did for Phil Still, he's got him at number eight, okay, so, um, I guess S&P Plus is what we're going by here, yes, it's S&P Plus with Conley, but because it's not just Kansas State and you in Vanderbilt, they finished they finished the year with Notre Dame. Like that's just that's just a tough schedule. Their projected schedule here and what I'm looking at is six and six. But they play at Arizona State. They play at Washington State, play at Oregon State. The positive here is they get Washington, Utah, Notre Dame, Cal, and Oregon all at home. Golly Moses. Gonna like, have, I mean, are, this this uh this McKee kid's gonna have to really come around. And he is a top ranked quarterback, but he's yes. gonna really have to come around. No, a hundred percent. I'm 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 gonna be a little bit more optimistic about about Stanford this season until they show me otherwise. But man, like, I, I just think their schedule might be too tough this year. I don't know if this season is gonna be more, you know, very much of an indictment on on Shaw and the state of the program. Stanford more is gonna be more along the lines of just holy crap, you got t- such a tough schedule. And look, I don't want to rehash Washington again, but I do think we just didn't take a second. I, I think we should. 
that Washington-Michigan game means a whole lot, wouldn't you say, for both programs? I don't know. I mean, in terms of – in what way do you think it means a lot? Because obviously if, they're, if, if we're talking about the conference – I think it means more for Michigan – Yes. But from a conference standpoint, I think Washington can afford to lose that and and obviously still be in the in the in the in their conference hunt. Um, I know that's a, that's an obvious statement, conference and non-conference. But I don't know if Washington has that game circled quite like Michigan does. Well, I, I, yes, okay, I agree with you on the the Michigan side. I would just say that I, I do think it's I think it's important for for Washington as well because it. If they win that game, it kind of puts everyone on notice that this 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 Washington team is competitive. This Washington team isn't just going to regress now that you know their coach who's been there forever is now gone. I guess that's more or less what I mean. Like it's a kind of a statement game, possibly for for Washington. But, is it though? Because I mean, isn't aren't a lot of people just going to say, "Well, Jim Harbaugh"? I mean, Jim Harbaugh is he's not living up to it. Jim, I mean, isn't the Jim Harbaugh narrative going to take over there? Oh yes, yeah, I, I, absolutely. But I mean, but I would also say that if Washington does win that game, look, yes, the overall narrative, the the, the main the the main publications will talk about Jim Harbaugh losing a game that he quote unquote shouldn't have lost. However, you and I, when we come back to this podcast, depending on how that game goes. We may say, okay, we now know what Washington kind of is, and that they they have a chance to win the Pac-12. Fair enough. All right. Sorry. I want to. I, I got one more thing that I want to bring up. Have you been following the Nick Rolovich vaccine stuff there at Washington State? No. Please educate me. So on this. it's. I, I, we don't have to get into the whole, whole of it, but he is. He's sort of standing in the middle. And he's, I don't think he's vaccinated. He's been kind of, I don't know about it. I don't know if I want to do that. Everybody has their own choice. But he's also said, I'll do whatever the mandate of the state says to do. Washington State has a big research program. And one of the recent things I was reading was the guy mentioned, like, the the research at the university that you work for has been very supportive of getting the vaccine the science has been very supportive at the state university that you work for about getting the vaccine and you're still kind of being not you know you you're not being very committal to the vaccine which a lot of people want him to be but there's also a a, a large part of the donorship that is split down the middle as well some people are saying they'll stop supporting the program if he gets it and there are others that are saying they'll stop supporting the program if he doesn't get it or does get it. So it's like, yeah, doesn't get it. So you've got two, both sides of the camp are sort of throwing their money around saying, you know, stand, stand, either stand your ground or give up your ground and get the vaccine. And it's, it really seems to be turning into a, I don't know if fiasco is the word, but it's definitely a a building into a distraction there at Washington state. The will he, won't he for Nick, excuse me, Nick Rolovich and, uh, and the vaccine. <sighs> I did not. Oddly enough, I, I did not know about that. That, first of all, it doesn't surprise me. But that also just sucks. That that just that really just sucks. Yeah, I mean, from a football standpoint, for sure. And and I know that there's the sports world is. I don't even know how to have this conversation because I'm very much of the of the realm of if you want to get it, get it. If you don't. Okay, yeah. 
I, no. I went and got it. Uh, I, have I think it as well. I would be I would be supportive of getting it. I don't think I would tell I wouldn't tell anybody no, don't do it, of course. But at the same time, I'm not the 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 guy that I was listening to or reading started off the article a little bit on the edge of I don't know how this began became political when it should be about science. And I'm like, if you don't know how this became political, then I just don't know if you've been paying attention. Yeah. And and I hate to bring that into our college football podcast, but I think that's the crux of this is that's why people aren't doing this. That's why Nick Rolovich isn't jumping on board with this because there are political elements here. And when there's political elements, there are people saying things to support their side of the conversation or their side of the aisle. And then those things turned into challenged information and you got people running around calling each other liars. And when that starts to happen, people – People don't want to do things that the other side tells them to do, and I just don't know if you can avoid that in this conversation. I, again, I know we're college football, but I just don't think you can avoid that here because I would venture to bet anybody who's not getting the vaccine, 100%, it ties somewhere into political, political, you know, conversation or or fear or or wherever from a political entity or whatever, however you want to say that. Yeah, it, it's a tough thing, man. It's very tough, it's but very it's, tough. it's it's, it's mm. plaguing Washington State at this point, and so I'm not sure what what sort of not sure what they're going to be able to put on the field uh, this year. Well, let's just really quickly. So we both picked Oregon to to win this to win the North. You're picking mm-hmm. Utah. Yes, Utah to uh, to win the South. Okay, Utah to win the South. I'm picking uh, USC. I'm, I'm picking USC to win the South. Are we both picking Oregon to win the North? Because I I'm picking them. Yeah, I've got Oregon to win the North, yes. And conference champion, I'm picking Oregon to win. I'm picking Oregon to win as well. I just okay. – I, I like Utah. Uh, I like them a lot. I would love for them to break through. If if there's anybody I'd love to see crash the Corvette, crash the Ferrari that is Oregon, it would it would be the, you know, the muscle, the muscle truck that is uh, Utah. Yeah, this is good. I love I love this conference. I – I, I cannot wait to to see them play ne- uh, this weekend. It's gonna be great. Anything else we wanted to cover here? Uh, did we want to pick those two games? Yeah, we can do that really quickly. Um, so this weekend we have Illinois playing uh, playing Purdue? Nebraska. Nebraska. Sorry. Um, no, it's okay. Uh, I, I'm going to be dialed into this game. I think it is important, but m- the importance that I have on this game is not necessarily for ranking or for viewpoint of a team, it is for Scott Frost's job. Because with these allegations that are going around, and which seem unfortunately to be confirmed, uh, I think if you lose to Illinois, you probably are not making it through the season. Yeah, and there's no reason to believe that Illinois won't come out in sort of a... Brett Bielema is going to have them dudes ready, man. I, I would imagine there's some sort of ready. There's some sort of new flavor. There's some sort of new excitement that maybe, hey, we'll get back to doing. They they ran the ball really well last year. Now Brett Bielema is coming in with his offensive line and his run first philosophy, and he's going to try to build them like he built Wisconsin. Like maybe they're going to be fired up and and buying in. And if Nebraska's distracted, um, and I think they they probably are. Because that those investigations go all the way to the top, like it was signed off of by the by the athletic department in some form. So if there's if there's issues going up that top that high, I, I don't know how focused they are. 
Yeah, and and also you got to look at like I think if I'm not mistaken, please correct me. Like, didn't Illinois bring in? It, it felt like they brought in like five or six transfers this offseason. Everybody brought in a lot of transfers for sure, um, but they have the the unsung hero of college football in um, Brandon Peter Peterman. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, so anyway, I, th- this team. I'd like give, I'm, me the, I'm, give me give me Illinois, Robo. Okay, all right. I, I'm just riding it I'm going to take Nebraska. Uh, I think they have the better quarterback. They should have better talent. Don't you be disrespectful to Brandon Peterson when I oh. Peterman when I just brought him up a second ago. Oh my! Can't gosh. even get his last name right. Yeah, because he doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Adrian Martinez is a, is a really good quarterback who I I hate was such a big signing for Nebraska and. It looks like he possibly will be wasted. Even, but, but I want to believe, I want to believe that this team is worth is going to be worth a crap this year, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick pick them to beat Illinois, um, and then the other game is UCLA um, against Hawaii. I, like I think UCLA wins, but do they win big? Yes, probably the bigger question for me. Y- yes, they do. Yeah. Okay, and, and I think you're right. I just if you don't win this game big. Every everything that I said earlier, it will be in doubt. <laughs> forty-five to ten. Okay, that sounds that sounds about nothing right. disrespectful I, to Hawaii. Forty-five to ten. You know what? I'm gonna go bigger. I'm gonna I'm gonna say fifty-two seventeen. Fifty. Okay, I think mine's better. Forty-five to ten is a better margin, isn't it? Uh, well, I just n- no because they're no, winning. Yes, by no, 40. no, no, no. That's right. No, no, it's not. You gave um, them a touch. You gave each side a touchdown. Yeah, because I, I just think early it's going to be just like a score fest. Um, and also my wife, my wife is so excited that college football starting. She is just so excited, <laughs> so excited, but no, it's going to be great games. Uh, I'm excited for this weekend. Um, Spencer, we have one more conference to cover, which we'll record later this week. The SEC, the big dog. Uh, yep. Big dog. Um, we got plenty to say there for those guys. So we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, uh, at spider dude, uh, 64, I'm a Spencer underscore Van Horn, V-A-N-H-O-R-N. Uh, two friends, one love, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip-flop later. Later.